Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. This holiday season, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us with their annual season of hope. Between Thanksgiving and New Year's Eve, the Foundation will deliver mortgage-free homes to dozens and dozens of America's catastrophically injured veterans, fallen first responder families, and Gold Star families. Bring hope to heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. And welcome back to the High Low Sports Podcast. It is DJ joined by Kelsey. And last week we talked about the AFC NFC West as we get ready for the NFL season to kick off. This week we're going to determine who will be the Kings in the North. And Kelsey, we're going to start with the NFC brought to you by Dr. Squash, Smell a Command, Feel Like a Champion. The, the NFC North was a lot different than the AFC North in that there was really only one King in the Packers, and then the Bears kind of squeaked in at the very last minute because everybody nobody else wanted to make the seventh seed last year, is basically how it played out. How do you have it going this year? Well, unfortunately, I'd love to say there was going to be a lot of parody just to continue the parody strand from our NFC, AFC West conversation, uh, but there's not. It's going to be a lot of the same thing. The Kings in the North reign in, in, in Wisconsin. They reign in Green Bay. The Cheeseheads, well, they stay on the top. The rises will. to the top is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, obviously, with, with all the drama in the offseason, coming back and then also offering to restructure his deal to help out the team contract-wise. So... Very interesting that he came back with all of that and then also offered the, that information up. Um, so I, I still have him reigning on top. I'm just going to go from one to four in this division because there's not a whole lot of parity involved in this one. It's kind of going to go as you expected. So as I said, number one, the Green Bay Packers. They go 12-5 and five in the new 17-game season. Uh, really surprisingly, they don't lose very much in their division. I guess not really surprising to anybody who follows them. But for the rest, for, for people who don't understand the NFC North nowadays versus where it was back in the nineties. Uh, this is not the, the this is not the, the, the NFC North we grew up on to say the least. Um, Aaron Rodgers is fantastic. Devonte Adams. This isn't your daddy's NFC North. This is the, this is the Aaron Rodgers NFC North. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, Devonte Adams, Aaron Rodgers, they're going to continue to dominate. I do think, you know, Aaron Jones is going to continue to be fantastic for this team. Um, you know, the defense minus there's a glaring hold in the name of Kevin King. Um, hopefully he fixes his stuff or the Packers just hide him a lot better um, and learn how to cover over the top. Hey, Eric Stokes, you are automatically playing. We don't care how bad you are as a first round pick. You are taking his spot. Kevin King, go sit over there. Yeah, it's uh look, you know, you got you to learn how to cover over the top too if you're the Packers. Um, so that's part of it as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're still good enough. They go 12 and five just because you do have 
an all-world quarterback out there in Aaron Rodgers. So you can't really do too terrible um, to begin with. So you, you live and by, die by the Aaron Rodgers, who as I, I've much equated with his personality is similar to the personality of Jay Cutler, where when he's into a game, he'll win you games. And he's coming in this season motivated, just like he did last season. He feels good about coming into the season and kind of proving everybody like standing up to that comment he made in pre- before the season of, I'm the reason people come to Green Bay. They come to see, they come to play with me, not any other reason. So I think that's going to be a big motivating factor for them. Um, and a lot of the reason why they go 12 and five and possibly even do better. Maybe they, there are a couple other games in there that are winnable that I just had them losing close games. But for the most part, yeah, they're, it's going to look fantastic for the Packers. There might be a stretch there, though. You get a little worried. All things are good in Wisconsin. You could say that at least moving forward, looking ahead right now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, number two. Give me those Chicago Bears. They are going to finish 10-7. and seven. This is very weird, though, because they don't finish with the same quarterback they started. And at one point in time, they do use all three quarterbacks. Uh, they, I, I do have them somehow, some way, using Nick Foles. And, yeah, it's yeah, it's just a shocking to me. I was going through it, and for some reason, the Bears are going to Bears them way, <laughs> their way through a season is the best way I can describe it. And now you have potentially, you know uh, – Peterson returning to help coach with uh, with the Bears coaching staff in a auxiliary role, if you will, or whatever they want to call it. Um, so him reuniting with Nick Foles is it's 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 a storyline. You know, I'm all about these storylines. I think Doug Peterson is trying to jump into every coaching staff a little bit because he was with the Colts last week too. He's just finding everybody's <laughs> friends. He's going to jump in their staff just a little bit, see if he can piggyback his way to another ring. Just get get a little feelers with everybody, see if he can get a second one too. Just sent out to him for. Uh, what, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like ex- executive consulting or something. Exactly. Yeah. He's, like he's, that, he's yeah. purely in a consultantship uh, for everybody right now, but no, it's, it's one of those things. Like I look at it, like Andy Dalton's going to start your first two games. It's probably not going to get pretty. Uh, I think they switched to Nick Foles just in like emergency situation to finish out a game around game three, they four. Sw- they bench Andy Dalton early, but not for the first round pick. You think Nick, well, they're scared to put Justin Fields out too early and they go Nick Foles, huh? I, I do think so. I do, but I don't think it's very short-lived. I do think it's it's until about week five, six that you see the Bears. Then like, okay, yeah, we got to save our season. Uh, Justin, <laughs> sorry, bud, but go save us, bud. And he's going to come and save them. He's going to lead them to a 10-7 and seven record. So um, I do I do have the Bears looking good. Obviously, this, this whole team looks good. Like, the big glaring hole is quarterback for the Bears. Obviously, there's a couple question marks on the offensive line that just haven't grown up yet. But really, your big hole is your quarterback. And filling that hole is your, your number one priority. You have Allen Robinson, who's fantastic. David Montgomery is turning himself into a fantastic NFL running back. Your defense, I mean, let's just start with Khalil Mack. You feel okay about that? Okay, moving on. Roquan Smith. And then next after Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson. Like, you have weapons all over this defense. And really all over this team you just have to use them and everybody has been raving about justin fields i think it's just a matter of time before we see him but i think to some degree i got to give credit to what i project the coaching staff doing and not throwing nick justin fields out there when it's like an unwinnable situation you know they're not going to try to throw him out there and like all right well we need a win but this is a really tough team like they're going to throw him out in a very winnable situation where he has a full weeks of game plan it's not going to be a last ditch effort I think this might be the one time the Bears don't mess up their quarterback situation. And for the first time since potentially Jim McMahon, they actually have a real quarterback that can throw the ball. It might be that case that, I mean, because if you look at it, even when they've won, gone to the Super Bowls, they, they had what, Rex Grossman? 
Yeah, that's all you need to say there. That that answers that question. <laughs> so, yeah, I do think the Bears finished ten and seven, though number two in the division. Uh, they do sneak into the playoffs, by the way. Yeah, so it's very ironic with last season. Um, number three, though, the Minnesota Vikings finishing over five hundred at nine and eight. Surprised, I surprised myself that they finished over five hundred. Mm. I think is the best way to say. Uh, but there are some games in there that are very winnable for them. They do go up against a couple teams that will probably be trying to figure things out, especially with them playing the NFC West this season. They could potentially go into a 49ers team who is possibly benching Garoppolo coming out with uh, Trey Lance on his first game. So that's a potential matchup. There's also the Rams. If for some reason Matt Stafford gets injured to go along with the Cam Akers injury, you know, there's, there's a lot of question marks there. The Seahawks and their own issues, they take on them early in the season. So there's some potential games that the Vikings can steal and kind of surprise some people. They're not going to be a great team by any means. They don't make the playoffs, but they do finish nine and eight. And despite Kirk Cousins, who is the biggest hole on the team, mm-hmm. uh, like really it's it's him and then the offensive line are the big holes. Like you need you need offensive line, but you also need a quarterback that can throw the ball consistently. And, and Kirk Cousins, well, yeah. I'm not going to equate those two in the same sentence ever again. That, that's, <laughs> so, that's all needs to be said. <laughs> exactly. And then rounding out the basement dwellers of this division, probably a surprise to nobody, them Detroit Lions. Although Detroit yeah. Lions fans, don't worry. You do not need your paper bags yet. You at least win over three games. You win five. They go five and 12 in the season. And this one comes down to you obviously lose Matt Stafford. That's huge. You replace him with Jared Goff, who is emotionally, mentally, how much is he actually there? After everything that happened with the Rams, I don't know how how's that thumb. That's a big question mark as well because I mean, what thirty six yards of total offense in his last game that he played? Yeah, it wasn't a wasn't very good. It's but yeah. <laughs> so mentally, how good is he? You have zero receiving core uh, at this point in time. Your running back core is a second year DeAndre Swift, who is, let's be honest, he's mentally is he fully there too? Because last season he's he's straight up the reason they lost one game dropping the ball in the end zone and can he carry the workload of a full-time back with no carry on Johnson, no AP back, none of it. So what can they do there? Defense. There are some, there are some players on the defense that you can look at and be like, okay, I don't feel terrible about you, but I have a lot I need mm-hmm. to see from you. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I feel about the whole Detroit Lions. Like, there's a lot that I need to see from the Lions to, to yeah, ever believe they're going to get over 500 again because right now it does not look... The rebuild has started, but it is there's a lot of bricks still to be laid for that foundation still. Yeah, I feel bad for... Honestly, I feel bad for Lions fans. This is like you wanted to kind of have a hope and, and you looked pretty good on paper last season coming into it, but Matt Patricia really screwed that team up just with the way they... It was a lot like, you know, we talk about John Gruden's positional woes, like his the way he rolls teams out. Like, you never used on Johnson. You decided to go with, in a power situation, DeAndre Swift at running back. Still surprising. Adrian Peterson's corpse led your team in rushing. I mean, like, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. You don't, you, you don't give Matt Stafford help at all. Uh, I mean, you Kenny Galladay was injured through most of the season. You try to have to rely on Marvin Jones. And, and look, Marvin Jones was a good, good receiver back in his day, and it's, it's not been his day for a couple of seasons now. Uh, TJ Hawkinson is the brightest spot on that team. And unfortunately you don't use him enough. And when you do get him the ball, he's ha- he feels like he has to be Superman and try to jump over people and get himself injured. So there's like, there's a lot of issues in your number one overall corner. 
Akuda doesn't – he had a rookie woe. He had a lot of rookie woes. But at the same time, there were some promising moments coming from him. You also traded Darius Slay away. That doesn't help anything. So it was literally like you take your your number one your number one corner that is a rookie and you throw him against all the other number ones in that league and you're like, go get him, kid. That's never good. That's never good for anybody's confidence. So there's a lot of question marks for this Lions team. Uh, we'll see what the new coaching staff can do. If they can get this team mentally prepared for the season, I don't know. But there are some young possibilities with this team that if they can get on the right page, they could be a much better team than five and 12 and very, very soon. I don't think it's going to come this year, but I do think in the next couple of years, they could be that team. That's like, we're looking at like, wow, they were five and 12. Now they're 10 and five or like now they're 12 and five. Like, wow. Uh, granted that would probably be like three years down the road, four years down the road. Once they get a receiver. <laughs> exactly. And I, I'm kind of in the same boat with I'm kind of in the same boat with you as the Lions as well, but you're actually nicer than I am. I had them at three and 14 and that's just because it's a rough schedule for them. And I like what they did in the draft. I liked Penay Sewell. I like Levi and Wuzurike. I like some of those things. I think Jared Goff, you can work around, but it's not this year. It's, it's too much too. there's too much flip turnover right now. Too much going wrong. Basically, as you, if you could say, it. I don't know who he's going to throw to besides TJ Hawkinson. Running back, I, I don't mind DeAndre Swift. I just want to see him utilized in some way. I like TJ Hawkinson, but uh, yeah, you could double-team him or just put a linebacker and a little help and shade coverage his way. And not a whole lot of room to work with. The offensive line, Penesul is nice, but there's work to do. And defensively, there's really no pass rush there. I mean, they're, like you said, Jeff Okuda struggled out there trying to guard Justin Jeffersons, Adam Thielens, Allen Robinsons, and Devonta Adams in his division alone. With no rush, so mm-hmm. you couldn't, you didn't have to just guard him for like a few, like one to two seconds. You had to guard him for a millennium, basically, and and you had no safety help really. It for the Lions, I have three and fourteen this year as well too. For everything you list, I just I like what they started, but boy, is there a long ways to go still as well too. They might be in contention for a top two or three pick next year as well too. So we'll see how that plays out. Not a whole lot else to say. Next up, I have the Vikings, who once again you were a lot more generous to them than I was. I have them at five and twelve. In no small part because I think they're just going to lose a lot of close games. They're going to be really good. Dalvin Cook's going to be amazing. Justin Jefferson, if that AC joint doesn't hurt him too much throughout the year, he's going to be great. Adam Thielen is Adam Thielen, but I just don't I don't trust Kirk Cousins. And he's getting older. His arm strength looked even more dwindled last year in some spots. And with their – I think when you have quarterbacks for camp right now between him, Kellen and the squad, like they – I don't know if they're going to have a quarterback or the, the COVID thing's going to pop up for them again and cost them some games during the week. They drafted really well. Christian Derisaw, amazing pick. I mean, Wyatt Davis, amazing pick. Pat Jones out of Pittsburgh, fantastic value. Amir Smith-Marset late in the draft for a kick return and receiver purposes, amazing. But that quarterback hole, and then on the defensive line, it's Daniel Hunter, who, is he back healthy? There were talks about him wanting out. How does Is he still the same dude? And then a whole lot of emptiness on the D-line otherwise, really. Linebackers, I'd like Kendricks a lot. But there's a whole lot of emptiness always. Anthony Barr, name value. The safety's pretty good. I mean, Harris Smith and them getting a little older, though. At corner, I like Patrick Peterson, but getting a little older, I just – they got older without really getting – I'm not sure how much better they got necessarily. I don't know if they – they needed more pieces than just those couple of older veteran-type guys. They need somebody to play opposite of them. And I, th- I actually have them going one and five in the division, so I have them splitting with the lines and then just not able to get past the back- Packers or the Bears. That's what kind of puts them in the biggest hole. Like it's hard to get out of that when you have trouble winning your in-division games. Yeah. Like the best thing for the Vikings going forward is they have Dalvin cook still like that's hold, hold on to that man for the life of you. And Justin Jefferson. I will give them Justin Jefferson too. If you can stay healthy. 
But yeah, that's a good thing they resigned Dalvin Cook when they did. So it's like keep him around. Don't ever let him leave. Let him retire there. Exactly. Now the one thing I will say, like for the corners, obviously you mentioned Patrick Patrick Patterson and uh like the one thing or Patrick Peterson, sorry. Wow, Bob Patterson. <laughs> Wrong sport. <laughs> Patrick Peterson. And uh kind of the same idea as Patrick Patterson though, where he comes in as a veteran and tries to help out these younger players like Cameron Danzler, who they have at corner. Who is a good young corner from Mississippi State? He's now second year, but he needs some some coaching to get that next step to be a good corner. And especially in this division, we talked about it with Jeff Akuda. Like, you need some you need some some high quality stuff there to be teaching you. And and Patrick Peterson has the stuff or had the stuff. Yeah, I should say. I don't know how much is still there in the in the secret stuff pile, but it's, but there's some stuff there, and and he can teach Cameron Dancer some tips and tricks. Like how much is left in that bag? That is the question as well, too. And I just think the other teams are a little bit ahead of them across the board as well, too. Like the Vikings have some of those really amazing pieces, but those ancillary pieces, and as you mentioned. Kirk Cousins, the trust factor with him, I've never never really trusted him, but the okay, you can win with him factor has really dwindled the last two years. And I didn't really like – I didn't have Kellamon as a high prospect, quarterback prospect, and especially if you have to thrust him out there in year one because Kirk Cousins is Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousinsing it up. I don't like that for him either as well too. And the fact they can't even get quarterbacks in for training camp right now. that I'm, I'm taking that into factor when I pick these teams too. Teams that are having issues now you have to imagine there's going to be COVID things that creep up later as well, too, unless some things change, but we'll see how that goes. And like you, I have the bears 10 and seven, the exact same record. And I think similar reasons. I think they stick with Andy Dalton early. I don't think we see Nick Foles. That's what we differ is. I think they do every, if they're smart, they don't play Nick Foles. I mean, last year you had a winning record with Mitch Trubisky. The reason you didn't have a, a you were barely creeping in is because you played Nick Foles. Their record with them was you beat Tampa Bay and nobody else basically with Nick Foles. So if they're smart, they either try to get rid of Nick Foles or keep him there and say, destroy our third stringers every day in practice. That is your entire job the rest of the season. Because it looks like the Colts aren't trading for him, so you need to wait and hope somebody else does, basically, at this point. I do think Andy Dalton's going to start early, and I think probably around that week seven-ish mark, they'll probably be in that two and four, two and five-ish area. Again, I think they play the Steelers on Monday night. That's when I think we see Justin Fields on a longer week since Monday. All right, I know you're probably going to lose this game because it's that Steelers front seven, but we're getting you out there. He'll probably lose that game. But then down the stretch, I can see him winning like six of eight games, something like that, to get him to 10 and seven, to creep into a playoff position as well, too. We're both as high on Justin Fields as just about anybody else out there. I think he could have been contention for the number one pick, arguably. The fact that he dropped to the fourth quarterback in number 11. There's a lot of other teams like looking at the Saints, the Colts, and a lot of other, even the Panthers, too. They're probably looking at like, huh, Washington. We probably shouldn't have signed a quarterback. I kind of wish we could have could have known that Justin Fields was going to slip. We would have traded up for him. You know, something along those lines. A lot of those teams that gave up stuff to get quarterbacks and free agency. So maybe they should move the draft to ahead of free agency for future reference for these type of things. But that of course leads us to the King in the North, the Green Bay Packers as well too. And with like you, I have them basically absolutely dominating 13 and four top one of the top records in the, in the NFC. I mean, fun, random fact, the only AFC quarterback to beat the Packers since Matt LaFleur took over in 2019, Phillip Rivers. He did it once with the Chargers and then last year with the Colts. No other AFC quarterback has beat Green Bay in those years, those back-to-back 13-3 and three years. So just kind of goes to show they're any AFC, and they play the Chiefs in the AFC West. So just presume they're going to win all those games just based on history at this point until unless Phillip Rivers comes back somehow. So I'm going to I imagine the Packers are going to do the same old thing. Aaron Rodgers is going to come out. Probably won't be quite as good as last year because that was historic, but he's still going to be Aaron Rodgers. That last dance thing him and Devontae Adams posted, you imagine – when it counts, they are going to show up. You still have Aaron Jones, who's still a monster in a deep backfield. 
I didn't like Eric Stokes that first round as a corner. I mean, I don't think he was the best corner on his college team. I think Tyson Campbell was the better choice. And I still think you should have looked at some of the receivers, some of the offensive linemen that were still there. There's a lot of other ways to go about it. Maybe even Trayvon Merrick, some, like a safety you could put over the top and not let people beat you deep, which was your what killed you in the NFC Championship game. But Eric Stokes, I imagine, is still going to be an upgrade over Kevin King, as you mentioned, too. So just don't let Kevin King be by himself on an island ever again with any NFL receiver. And you never know. And I do like bringing back Tunyon, losing Corey Lindsley. You'll get David Bakhtiari back sometime, probably early in the season, too. Maybe early to mid-season out because I think the Achilles injury was late December or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, he's he's projected back around week five or six. Yeah, so you'll get him back, and that's automatically an upgrade. So they'll they'll still be good. They'll be 13 or four. They'll still be the Kings in the North. I mean, as much as we like Just Fields and the Bears, it's not quite this year. This isn't the year where the Bears take over. Akeem Hicks does want to stay there though. It, like he's asked his agent to ask for an extension. So getting him back, getting Eddie Goldman, their defense will be a little bit better this year, I believe as well. I think the Bears are going to make a playoff surge behind Justin Fields as well. Allen Robinson, you might get him to stick around. He tried to get out, but they got franchise tagged. But he's saying some real good things about Justin Fields. Same with Jimmy Graham. All of them are saying great things about him. So, honestly, they start him week one. We might have, we might have to change our predictions up a little bit. I don't know about you. I mean, he'll still have his rookie woes, so it might not change much. But we might have to take a look at some things about, like, huh, maybe the Bears actually are contending for this uh, NFC North crown, even more so than we're giving him credit for now. Yeah, I, I think to your point, it's going to kind of vary to me, like, if I look at the top two teams in this division, I, I have I still have worries about both of them. I have the Smith brothers. Can they show back up? Can they pr- make the make the impact we they needed to make the make last season? Especially Preston in that NFC Championship game. Can they make that impact? Can they make an impact in that like they were supposed to make in that game to give them a Super Bowl berth? Because if they make any sort of an impact in that game. You got to imagine that second half they had, they can actually come back and win. I will add on to that too. Kenny Clark, where were you at? I did not see Kenny Clark all season long for supposed to be a, like an X factor nose tackle who got paid. He, they needed him that game and I could not find him anywhere. I couldn't find him throughout the season. Honestly, he's a guy that needs to reestablish himself this year for sure too, for the Packers. Absolutely. And then the bears, my question for the bears, can we get a Jimmy Graham sighting of old school New Orleans? Obviously we're not going to get the full New Orleans, Jimmy Graham again, who's dunking on, you know, uh, field goal post. But you know what? Can I get a five to seven touchdown Jimmy Graham? Can I get that type of guy? And I, yeah, I think with Justin Fields, it's possible. But I don't think with any of the other quarterbacks, it's possible. So it's it's going to be kind of like you mentioned with Allen Robinson. Can you use Justin Fields properly without being detrimental to his future, I guess? Like, that's kind of where I was at. But can you can – you be good for Justin Fields without sac- like can you can you not use can you not sacrifice the future to thrive now basically sort of thing yeah like I don't want to see I hate to say I hate to use this comparison but I don't want to see a Joe Burrow again this season I don't want to see that happening to any of these young quarterbacks because I think for most of them they're, they're like most of the, the top five quarterbacks that were drafted have a pretty good possibility for their futures of at least being an average quarterback an average NFL quarterback which is nothing to scoff at Many average NFL quarterbacks have made appearances and possibly won a Super Bowl. Trent Dilfer. Brad Johnson. But, <laughs> yeah. Joe Flacco. So, yeah, I mean, so it's not a bad thing to be an average NFL quarterback. You just need to be able to – your your team needs to be able to get you to that point, obviously, get you through that first year. Um, but, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's part of the big question. But, uh, you know, I don't know. We'll have to see with this, with, this, uh, with this NFC North for sure. 
Um, but that leads us to the AFC North, obviously presented by Swift Lifestyles. If you guys haven't checked out Swift Lifestyles yet, go and do so. It is the only clean energy drink out there on the market right now. And you get a coupon code for it. All you got to do is enter Hilo Sports in the uh, coupon code box and you get 15% off your order going forward. And anything you buy there, guys, that does help us out. DJ and I have tried both flavors so far of just the regular flavors and bubblegum is pretty much our favorite, which is shocking to say that bubblegum is a the best flavor out there. Blue is nothing to scoff at, though. It is, it is a high quality as well. They both they both get the job done. I'm always wired and ready to go, but I don't have that crash afterwards, and I don't feel itchy like some pre-workouts do, too. Like, I don't feel like itchy and scratchy all over the place, too. So would highly recommend it. If you don't like it, then you get, a, you get it for cheap to try it out as well, too, with that coupon code. So definitely recommend giving it a shot. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Exactly. And if you guys buy enough of it, we might get a flavor named after us. Exactly. We get to inspire our own flavor. So we're still working on what we're going to come up with for the name, but we do we do have ideas for the flavor. So it'll definitely be a good choice. But that brings us now to the AFC North, as you mentioned too. Kelsey, how do you have the AFC North plan out? This one was a lot different than the AFC North in that it was there wasn't a king in the north. It was a fisticuffs amongst the top three teams. It was Spartacus, if anything. Yeah, unlike last year, I, I don't have that three-way battle for the top this year. But I do have a, a a mirrored, literally a mirrored division in this one. From top, like one and four are complete opposite records. Two and three, they're actually the same record. It's not completely mirrored. But, you know, it was as close to mirrored as I could possibly get it in, in these these brackets and, and the way they're set up. But that's going to mean me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go reverse order from what I did in the NFC. I'm going to go bottom to top. So number four, I mentioned Joe Burrow earlier. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, you guys pull up the rear yet again. The Bengals at five and twelve, which I gave him five wins, but honestly, this one could go worse. It could be much less. I kind of the, their division is kind of one that the the teams they match up against they do have some winnable games, some very easily winnable games, um, and even the Bengals can beat these teams. <laughs> like <laughs> even the Bengals with a healthy Joe Burrow or without a healthy Joe Burrow can still beat these teams. Um, and my big question is though. You went and got Jamar Chase, but offensive line, and they released, by the way, their depth chart, and their rookie, their, their rookie draft pick, the second-round draft pick, third on the depth chart in his position. So he's likely not even going to see the field this year. Uh, look, I, I, hope, I hope they get Joe Burrow some help. Please, get Joe Burrow some help. I will have a Joe Burrow jersey on the moment they get him help. Give me that Joe Burrow jersey opportunity. Give me, let me get a T. Higgins jersey. I love everything they have on this team, except their offensive line. I, that, no offensive line means you you can't throw the ball. Like there's no way to get Jamar Chase on a double move if he if you get into Joe Burrow sacked before he can make the first move. And on top of that, down to that, I don't like their defensive line either. You let you sign, you let go of Lawson to bring in Trey Hendrickson and overpaid for him, a guy that's entire that his entire breakout season was oh good they're double teaming Cam Jordan I'm good to go. Like that was, I don't like their trenches, which is, I think the best way to summarize as well, why the Bengals find themselves in your cellar as well too. I mean, you're not doing your guy any favors. This, this is very reminiscent of the Andrew Luck Colts base. It's like, yeah, he'll save the day, right? We'll just get other stuff that looks cool. Oh shoot. 
Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, look, you have one of the top five safeties in the league out, out there and, and Jesse Bates, who, by the way, you haven't re-signed yet. You just had talks fall apart about re-signing him, and he's your best best safety out there, and he's a top five safety in the league. Nobody looks at him because he's in Cincinnati, but if it wasn't for him, this Bengals team probably only wins two games. Like, really, he's going he's gonna to be out there playing center field, knocking balls down, hitting guys out of bounds. That shouldn't be open, but they're going to be open because of the lack of talent at the corner positions as well. Uh, and, and, you know, there's – they have two good middle – two young middle linebackers that they, can, that they can grow with, but they are still young, still very raw. They are athletes, but they're not linebackers yet. Uh, so that's that's the part they need to work on. As you mentioned, that defensive line, yeah. <laughs> there is some work to do in Cincinnati, I think is the best way you describe it. It's a lot like Detroit, just they have their quarterback locked in and a little bit more talent out wide, but everything else, my goodness. Can you just combine the two teams? Can we just do that and see what we can get out of it? I think that could be something pretty decent. Look, can I take the Bengals and combine them with the, the Falcons? That'd be exactly what I'd want to do. Just combine all three of them and we might get a playoff team. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But no, so, I mean, obviously, yeah, Bengals – even though with the new look jerseys, it's a fantastic new look, hmm. by the way. I got to give him credit. The redesign looks fantastic. Good job. Uh, Chad Ochocico got involved, Chad Johnson. So that's why they look good. Hmm. But that's about the only good looking thing that's going to be happening in Cincinnati this year. Uh, except for that one game you beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, which they do have. They do beat the Steelers one game in Cincinnati this year. Okay, so, calling it now. so they have their crowning moment kind of like last year where they where they smashed Juju and turned it into a TikTok face. So they're going to have another one of those this year. And they're, it's going to be a rough season, but they're going to look good doing it. Exactly. So that brings me to number three, the aforementioned Pittsburgh Steelers at nine and eight. So they go finish 500. They're actually going to tie with the Baltimore Ravens at nine and eight. As I mentioned, I have a tie in the middle. Okay. So you, but they lose the tiebreaker to the Ravens. The Ravens take both games from the Steelers this season. I don't trust their quarterback position. We've talked about it though. Two points. 2.2, 2.3 2.2, 2.3 seconds to re- time to release for, for Ben Roethlisberger last year. That's terrifyingly fast. And then you got rid of the entire offensive line that was in front of him thinking, oh, yeah, he can repeat it this year. That's that's not a good idea. It's a terrible idea. You Now, you did add not, Najee Harris, who I think is the best running back to come out of Alabama, possibly in history, because of his all-around talent. So with that two-point whatever time to release – Expect Najee Harris on a lot of dump-off routes going one-on-one with some corners and safeties, and he might break out for a couple top-end touchdowns that way. And that's how I see him getting out and, and helping this team. But, I mean, the success we saw with Chase Claypool, with Deontay Johnson, with uh, with Juju, I don't think we're going to see that again this year. I think Chase Claypool can continue to do well. I don't think we're going to see the same level. Um, not anywhere near that at all. I think, Juju, you're going to see a little bit – we're not going to see the same level again. Uh, Deontay Johnson, he might have been their number one overall receiver after last year, right, going into this year. But you're going to get number two production out of him this year. You're not going to get a, a number one project production out of him. Uh, the defense, though, you lose Bud Dupree. That obviously hurts. It doesn't hurt, though, when you get Melvin Ingram back in return. <laughs> like uh, that's, that's not a bad change, exchange there. So. There are some things that the defense does look good. That's just why they're going to be in a lot of games is because of this defense. Uh, you still have Minka out there. You still have TJ Watt, both top five in their own positions. Um, Melvin Ingram, we'll see if he can recover some of that great, that, that I won't say greatness, but the high quality that he was producing in San Diego, or sorry, LA. 
My apologies. Both. <laughs> uh, <but laughs> we'll see if he can do that. And also Joe Hayden. Can Joe Hayden continue what he did last year into this season? Uh, because as he gets older, does he slow? I, mean, I thought he was going to slow down last year, but he played quality corner last year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what do I know? He hasn't had that uh, dip off yet, like a lot of corners do, because he's never really been an athlete anyway. He ran like a 4-6 coming out of Florida. Like, he's never been athletic. He's been a technician guy that's in the right place usually, which is why he struggles with speed demons. But he's never he's still a good corner because of that, because he's a technician guy. He doesn't rely on being athletic. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what the Steelers can do. Uh, but I do have them losing some winnable games and winning some losable games. So it kind of evens their way out. But th- that I think that big loss for him is that Bengals game. Uh, that's going to kind of what looks like they're going to be on a high trend for the season. I think that Bengals game knocked them down a peg. And they're like, oh, no. And they're trying to recover and, recover and scramble. Hmm. But this one's going to live and die by Ben uh, on the offensive end. And can he make the right decision quick enough? Because he's not going to have time. And can he stay healthy all season? If he can't stay healthy all season, this team easily plummets to like a seven and seven and ten team or worse. You don't have faith that Dwayne Haskins could come in and save the day, right out of the strip club to behind center. Well, let's be honest; they're not even playing Dwayne Haskins in regular season in preseason. <laughs> they're they're playing Mason Rudolph through three quarters in the Hall of Fame game. So and then Duck Hodges is out here playing <laughs> games like. You're not even putting Dwayne Haskins out there. So, I, yeah, I don't trust Dwayne Haskins at all. <laughs> no. uh, nothing about that quarter, quarterback room is something to uh, to envy. Let's just put it that way. That's a safe way to put it as well, too. So you mentioned the Ravens actually tying with the Steelers, though, as well, too, at 9 and 8. So you have them taking a dip in the in the fourth year of Lamar Jackson. Yeah, fourth year of Lamar Jackson, 9 and 8. The biggest issue I have is, well, where'd your defensive line go? <laughs> because uh, they didn't show up last year. Can they show up this year after not after taking a year off? I don't think so. Uh, linebackers, a lot of questions there as well. Still, uh, you have quality linebackers. Yeah, it, I mean you have some you have some quality in your linebacking core, but can they sustain their quality through a whole seventeen game season? I don't think so. And the biggest question of them all: Can Lamar hit somebody other than Mark Andrews outside of the numbers? That's a big question. And how do you also replace? Orlando Brown Jr. Oh, you get Ronnie Stanley back, which is good for left tackle, but then your right tackle is open as well, too, which is where you had Orlando Brown. So compared to last year, you'll be okay, but compared to when you were MVP Lamar and the best team in the league, well, you haven't replaced that yet. You haven't quite got back to that point. Yeah, so when I look at this, there's a lot of – I have a lot of question marks. Obviously, the Rashad Bateman injury as well is going to – the, the length that he's out is going to determine a lot of things as well because he does look good. He had looked good in, in camps and looking good – and really building some chemistry with Lamar. And that's a cool, that's underestimated thing. Um, and he was, he would have been able to take some of that pressure off of Hollywood on the outside on one side and Mark Andrews in the middle, hopefully on the other side of Hollywood mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, doing his thing. So uh, you, you, you think that if Bateman is going to miss a lot of time, that's going to hurt. Um, not going to hurt enough to drop them down to a seven win team, but it will hurt them enough to be like, these are a lot closer games than they should be. Um, but yeah, we'll see what the Ravens are able to do long-term. I still don't trust Marlon Humphrey as much as a lot of people. There's a lot of people have him top five corner. Eh. Do you have him top 10? He's a top 10 corner. Okay. Yes. I was making sure you weren't trying uh, to say he, but, was, he was butt cheeks. Now I thought that was going to be your anti crimson tide coming out for a second. No, no. He has a tendency to play like a lot of Alabama corners do where they did in college, where they're going to play up close and physical, but then they forget they don't have the top end speed to beat a lot of these guys anymore down the, down the field. Marlon Humphrey is a high quality corner. Don't get me wrong. He's a top 10 corner, but 
he doesn't have that top speed to burn with a lot of these other guys. Like, I'm sorry, you're not keeping up with Juju. You're not keeping up with Chase Capel. And you're sure enough not keeping up with Deontay Johnson if they get you on a double move. That's not happening. Like, just in this league, you're not keeping up with Jamar Chase. T. Higgins blew past you last year. And T. Higgins isn't known as being the most fleet of foot. And let me don't even get me started on it. Odell coming back. Hmm. And then Rashad Higgins blew past you last year. And Jarvis beat you downfield multiple times last year. And that's Jarvis, the juice, who is just literally known for squeezing the ball tight and falling down. <laughs> that's like, I mean, come on. So you can't, he, he still has that mentality sometimes of playing too close to line, trying to press and then not realizing like, I need to give space after this. And he tries to stay physical with him the whole way downfield and ends up being detrimental. But he does have the height to make up for it and the jumping ability to keep up on a, on a poorly thrown ball. So that is a benefit for him. Okay. Now, obviously, that leads me to number one. Uh, look, I'm gonna, I already know I'm going to catch a flag because I've been reading all these other people's boards, and they're like, the Browns are overrated. The Browns are overrated. I'm sorry, but it, you said the same thing about the Buccaneers and Chiefs last year. They're not you, but the, the pundits out there said the same thing about the Buccaneers and Chiefs. They're overrated. They're overrated. They also said the Browns are going to be make bad last year. Mine is these guys, and guess who was right last yeah. year? So anyone who doubts picking the Browns to be good this year can see last year at about 365 days ago. Exactly. Like I, I, That was my Super Bowl pick. I picked the opposite outcome in the Super Bowl because I thought it was going to be a passing of the torch and all yada, 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 yada. I was wrong. Tom Brady proved me wrong yet again. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> it's what he does in his career. But these Cleveland Browns, on paper, are the best team in the AFC North. Easily. And they are a top three to four team in the AFC. Hell, top five, maybe in the NFL, if you look at it, go by position per position. I'd say, yeah, top five team in the NFL is safe to say, which is funny because about four of those teams are going to be made up out of the AFC anyway. Uh, ironically, <laughs> weirdly how they, how it is flipped like that. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so you have Nick Chubb back there who is just a bowling ball of a running back. You give him the ball and watch him just spin off people, bounce and, and make his way downfield. You have a three-headed monster at tight end. Like nobody, everybody keeps forgetting that their tight end group is the best in football Hands down, there's nobody even close. The closest is the Patriots, who, by the way, have an injured corner, injured tight end already in Hunter Henry. So <laughs> that's just John U. Smith now. So you have Harrison Bryant, you have David Njoku, and you have Austin Hooper, who everybody forgot last year was this big number one tight, tight end signing. And you have all three of them. They're all healthy. They're all ready to go. And Njoku looks reinvigorated. He doesn't look like he's trying to get out anymore of Cleveland. And that's huge. And we already see what Stefanski was able to do with them last year. And it's going to be better. And now you add Odell back into the mix with a full offseason, healthy, ready to go. This Cleveland Browns team's offense looks fantastic. And I'm not even touching the defense yet. You add all the benefits of their defense that they got in the offseason. You add J.C. Jackson in there. You add uh, – or sorry, not J.C. Uh, John Johnson, sorry. Yeah, I was like, I always get those two mixed up. Yeah, I mean, you bring in a <laughs> they both top played in five LA. safety, Josh Johnson the third. I mean, my goodness, then their draft on top of it. Who we? Yeah, yeah. You add a Wusu Kormoa, and then you add the fastest play, like one of the fastest receivers in the draft in the history of the draft, and that's Anthony Schwartz. Just to go and be like, hey, I have Juice. Hey, yeah. I have Odell. Hey, let me throw Anthony Schwartz in the mix. Just burning past everybody. I talk about Marlon Humphrey covering somebody. Yeah, sorry, Marlon. You, you. That's not your assignment. You better hope you throw them on the ground off the line because if you don't, it's going to get real dangerous down the stretch. That's if they don't run a bubble screen behind you and and let Odell and and Jarvis, who, by the way, Jarvis might be the best blocking receiver 
in the game today. He scares people when he blocks them. They they yes. or they throw flags on him. So like you you add that mix into things. I, there's nothing this offense can't do, isn't capable of. And their defense, I think there's a lot of high quality things there. There's a lot of players just waiting to take that next step. Uh, obviously, the, the their signings have been even better. You add Jadavian Clowney opposite Miles Garrett. Uh, you add Harris in there in the in or in the in the middle linebacker position. And he's a quality tackle. Uh, he's a tackling machine. He honestly, probably overlooked because he was next to Darius Leonard for so long. So, like, you add all that in, and that's a good team. Like, there's nothing to, to be said other than that's a good team. Kevin Stefanski has proven he's a quality coach. He can win a game on the couch. <laughs> uh, the only question I have is Baker Mayfield. And it's going to be Baker Mayfield. And it's can I get game manager Baker Mayfield and not I want to be a superhero Baker Mayfield? Because if I get game manager Baker, 12 wins is an easy bucket. Like, give me that money. I'm putting a bet on it today. <laughs> That's easy money for me. If I get superhero Baker, you're going to lose a lot of games you're going to you're supposed to win because he throws picks when he tries to be a superhero. Okay. So. All right. So I think we actually have some similarities in the North too. I'm going to start at the bottom for me. I have the Bengals at the bottom as well too. I'm going 5-12. and 12. Ironically enough, 0-6 in the division because they do not match up with any of these teams in my opinion. I don't even think they sneaked that one from the Steelers this year especially with the, the talk that Joe Burrow isn't a hundred percent in camp yet too. They're saying he's like almost scared to put weight on that knee. And even he's mentioned like, it's a little bit of a mental block right now too. Does that carry into the regular season? And does that, is that something that pops up infrequently? Like I, I need to see how that plays out as well too with him. I hope it doesn't, but, and I, I think he'll be okay, but it's, you know what I mean? Like that's just something we need to see how that plays out as well too. I like Jamar Chase, T Higgins. They're giving him weapons. Joe Mixon, the offensive line, like, you mentioned that rookie is not even really playing Riley reefs. All right. But like you need to put a wall in front of him too. I mean, and defensively, we already talked about that defensive line. Trey Hendrickson is not the answer. If he gets you 15 sacks again this year, like he did playing opposite cam Jordan, I will tip my hat and say, I'm sorry, but I, it feels like the classic sense of guy plays opposite X factor defensive end on a contract year, gets a bunch of sacks, gets paid. And now you have nobody else to help you on that defensive line. Really? The sticks out linebackers. Boop. Like, not really anybody that sticks out, really. Safety, you had mentioned Jesse Bates. They have J William Jackson. No, actually, William Jackson is on Washington now, so I don't even know they have a corner off the top of my head. Like, I didn't – it's just not looking good defensively for them minus Jesse Bates. So, I like what Cincinnati's starting, but they, they're they like they're a lot like the Lions. They got a ways to go as well. The one thing they have is a quarterback and weapons. Everything else, all the ancillary parts, though, are to be determined at this point. They got a ways to go. Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned linebacker. Akeem Davis Gaither is a high quality young guy, but the problem is he's still so much of a unpolished linebacker. He's, he's just purely an athlete playing linebacker at this point. And it's like, well, that's great for trying to keep up with people, but where's the technique at? We need technique going right now. Exactly. So like, there's a lot of work to be done for the Bengals as well, too. Maybe they do a little bit better than I thought. Maybe Joe Burrow comes out and is like, okay, my knee's good and starts dicing people up. But that I still have to wait and see on as well, too. Because even last year when Joe Burrow was playing really well, they weren't quite able to win games because he's out there alone. They haven't done a whole lot to help him. I don't really like their coaching situation either as well, too. There's not a lot there to help him either. It's not like when, when we talked about the Chargers getting a good Justin Herbert, now getting Brandon Staley, Stanley as a coach, too, something to help him. Guys that get a coach early on to help him, he's not, he doesn't really have that there as well, too. So that's going to hold him back as well. And next, in the same order as you, I have Pittsburgh, but I actually have them going 7-10. and 10. I think... That Ben Roethlisberger thing you mentioned, that's going to hurt them. That offensive line is, it's not good. It's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of missing parts. So you got rid of your perennial Pro Bowl guy, David DeCastro, just to replace him with a guy who's not quite as good. Like not, not a really good decision. 
not nearly as good. Exactly. Melvin Ingram, nice signing to take budget pre spot. Devin Bush is still injured for a little bit, probably. He's going to take a minute to come back. TJ Watt's still TJ Watt. Cameron Hayward, Stefan Tuitt, Minka Fitzpatrick. Like, they still got guys. But then you lost Mike Hilton as well, too. Arguably a top three to two to three nickel corner right behind Kenny Moore. The guy that really let you get versatile in that back end. Joe Hayden, as you mentioned, he's starting to. When does he start to fall off a little bit? He's not quite the elite corner. He's still been plenty good, but we'll have to see how that plays off. They were, those guys were most effective because Mike Hill locked down the slot and they got a bunch of sacks because nobody could block TJ Watt and Cameron Hayward. Like that, they, their secondary looked better because Minka roamed the middle and the pass rush destroyed everybody. I don't think you're going to see as much of that this year. The offensive line's decimated. Najee Harris is pretty, I think it's a pretty good fit. He's going to make some noise, but. It's not going to be running the ball, not behind that offensive line. He, if he's going to make some noise, it's probably going to be catching the ball. I don't mind Pat, Pat, Pat Fryermuth. He's a pretty good tight end. He's a top 50 player on a big board, but he does not help you if you're Pittsburgh really whatsoever. You want to go two tight end sets with him and Ebron? That's great. Ebron's not really blocking anybody, and Pat Fryermuth, he's a pretty decent blocker, but he's not Gronkowski or George Kittle or anything like that. He's not, he's not making up for your offensive line woes, and then that just takes off one of your receivers, whether it's Deion. Like, they have to run three receiver sets. That's where they're at their best. They you can't really take one off to the point where James Washington wants a trade because he's not getting utilized. You have too many receivers and not enough everything else. And it, if Ben plays the whole season, I just, we saw him fall off bad at the end of last year. Maybe it was coming off the elbow injury. Maybe he's better this year, but he's almost 40 and he's not exactly in Tom Brady condition either. He's not exactly a pinnacle of health. So I have to imagine he's going to continue to fall off a little bit. And on top of that, everybody else in this division got better. Whereas I feel like they might've stagnated. Which brings me to Baltimore. I have them at 11 and six. I'm, I don't have them quite as bad as you, Adam. I think they're too well coached. I think Lamar, that they find a way to win some games. Mark Andrews is still going to be the number one target. Hollywood Brown's still going to have a few explosive games out of nowhere. Rashad Bateman going down, I think I t- actually took off a game after that. I initially led them at 12 and five, but you lose Rashad Bateman. You have to imagine Sammy Watkins hasn't played a full 16 games yet, let alone 17. So how much are you going to have him for? The offensive line is still good, but it's not as good. You, you had two first-round picks, you, and one of them you took Jason Ola, a guy that had zero sacks last year. Like He got drafted in the first round because he ran a stupid fast 40, but the production isn't there. It's a very non-Ravens pick, if that makes sense. Usually they take, on paper, the best available player, and they make it work from there, regardless of everything else. Like Patrick Queen, J.K. Dobbins, when they took Lamar, for example. Like every When you always look back at it, they just always take the best player to somehow plug him and make it work somehow. This one, it felt like they just took the fast guy and we're going to make it work and we're going to turn him into a superstar because you can't teach 4-3. So it always doesn't hurt them a whole lot. I mean, they're still 11-6. and six, They're still a playoff caliber team. But they, they're kind of similar to the Steelers. They didn't really get better, but they didn't get worse. Like where the Steelers, they got worse. The Bengals, they stagnated. And then that leads us to the exact same as you, the Browns at 12-5, and five, the team in this division that got better. Weirdly enough, when I look at this, the Steelers, the Ravens, and the Browns, I all have going four and two in the division. Like, I think these guys are just going to beat up on each other, and the Bengals are going to get the very, very short end of that stick, unfortunately. But I have the Browns, once again, 12 and five. Everything you said, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, top two to three backfield in the game, arguably. I mean, if you go by just duos, probably the best, maybe the best duo. At the tight end room, deepest in the game. Receiver room, they're arguably four to five deep now. And you have Odell coming back with everything you mentioned as well, too. Last year, it wasn't too bad. They just didn't have any chemistry with no offseason work, no practice, no getting a chance to feel each other out. Now you get that, and you get another year in the offense, too, because this was a new offensive system last year, too, with no offseason. Now you have all that on top of it. And we still saw last year in spurts. Odell's still a top five, six, seven receiver in the game at times. He might be the best receiver with the ball in his hands. 
n- next to Tyreek Hill. We saw it in the Cowboys game. They ran like three end of rounds to him, and he had like 80 yards rushing, including that 50-yard at the end where he ran 40 yards behind the line of scrimmage and then cut it upfield and juke through everybody. You just got to find a way to get the ball in his hands, and Stefanski has another year with that. Baker's got another year with him. Jarvis, Peoples-Jones, all of them, they have another year. And they'll, they'll find other ways to use Odell besides just, hey, you're the deep threat on our flood routes, which was kind of his pri- primary, primary role last year is deep post and straight line routes. So I think we'll see more slants and those kind of things that made him absolutely ridiculous with the Giants, that made him one of the best receivers in the game. And then we talked about the defense. Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, not very high on Jadavion Clowney. He's a run-stopping guy at this point. But playing opposite Miles Garrett, he should be able to get you eight sacks. Just by the pure fact, nobody, you can't block Miles Garrett. So by default, when they try to block Miles Garrett, they forget about you. Like, you have the beneficiary of just being the forgotten about one. Linebackers, Anthony Walker bringing him in, too. That's a good pick. Drafting Jeremiah Wusukormoa. If Whether he's a linebacker or safety, whatever JOK is, he just goes around and flies. So you have playmakers in that regard. And in, in addition to the Josh Johnson and the Greg Newsom in the secondary they brought in, Denzel Ward's going to be healthy, not have to deal with COVID and all those things, hopefully, as well, too. Then you get Greedy Williams and Grant Delpit, two LSU defensive back superstars coming back healthy, presumably, knock on wood. That is a lot of versatility. You got three starting level corners as well, too. Greedy at like six foot one and a half, six two, a big corner as well. Grant Delpit, a six three, 230 pound safety slash sub linebacker. You in your nickel packages, imagine having him and JOK basically playing linebacker. And then you have Josh Johnson, the third playing safety, and whoever else they want to rotate in there as well, too. Maybe it's Sadeo, maybe however they want to do it. There's a lot of versatility there as well, too. The Browns might be the deep, one of the deepest teams in the league as far as position by position. And I think if you get last year's Baker, what you got last year to a team, I think this team is a Super Bowl contender. I think if you get 2019 Baker, which granted that was a Freddie Kitchens thing and more than anything, in my opinion, but if you get some of those weird things that happened that year for him, then it could be in danger. But I'm not as low on Baker as a lot of people, but I'm not as high as the Browns fans are on Baker. I'm somewhere in the middle. That makes sense. He is a starting quarterback who will probably make some Pro Bowls. Maybe Alex Smith with a stronger arm sort of thing. So with this type of squad, on a young with that kind of head coach, they're going to win some ball games, and I think they're going to go twelve and five. I actually, when we did the breakdown, I had them. At, I think it was nine and one at one point. I think they're going to come out storming. I think some of those division games in the back end might catch them a little bit as well too, but they're going to be dangerous. Like I don't mean to, I don't mean to quote Baker. They're saying he's they, they wake up dangerous, but there's going to be a lot of fear in these teams if if the, all things could stay healthy as well too. And I do think spoiler alert from when we do our awards preview, I think Odell is going to be your comeback player of the year. I think the narrative that they're better without him or Baker's better without him, that's a load of batui. And we're going to see that a lot this year, too. We're going to see Odell, if he's healthy, he's going to break out this year, and he's going to reestablish himself as that Duke. Everyone's going to have to be on. They're going to be on notice. It's going to be the return of the, of the Odell. Yeah. So you, you mentioned Baker, and I, I do want to talk about this for a second because, obviously, contract-wise, that, that might be something coming up here very shortly uh, during the season, potentially even. But do you think he's worth – josh allen money like a lot of people do or do you think he deserves somewhere in between josh allen money and um i don't know i don't even know who to add underneath him at this point in time everybody seems to stack on top of each other it's a it's a giant mess at the top of ever of quarterbacks it's basically like they might as well just do percentage of the cap at this point instead of giving them exact numbers like you get 25 percent of what our cap room is they might as well start doing it that way because it's getting absolutely insane but i think what josh allen has done that step he took last year i would get as we are right now, you give Josh Allen a bit more. But I think Baker, if he is playing for that contract this year too, it's going to make him even more dangerous. But I think you can pay him a lot of money and be okay. Like, you'll lose some of the pieces, but Stefanski and Barry have shown the ability to draft and fill those pieces very easily. Like, you can lose some players and still fill them in. 
you already signed Miles Garrett. You're good there. You still got a lot of young players on good deals. So I think Baker is a guy you can resign. Maybe you don't give him a $250 million deal if you can avoid it. Maybe you prefer to give him like 215, something like that. Like something instead of like a $36 million a year deal, deal or something like that, maybe you give him closer to 30. And that's not an insult. It's just like, if you can avoid it, you don't want to keep stacking and stacking and stacking on top of it. With him, you want to pay a buttload of money, maybe front end or make a lot more of it guaranteed. Maybe you give him like a $180 million guarantee, but like 127 of it's straight guaranteed or 160 straight guaranteed, something like that. I don't know how you do it, but he's worth paying. But I think at the same time, you don't want to do that with Josh Allen or like what the Chiefs did with Patty because I don't think he's quite – he hasn't had that season yet where it's like, okay, he's that dude. It's on stuff. He's a Super Bowl a guy you can win a Super Bowl with, but he's not a guy that can almost win it by himself, if that makes sense. We haven't quite seen that yet as well, too. And there's there's like eight guys in the league that you can really say that about. There is very, very few and far between. I don't even know if Josh Allen is one of those guys. But at that point, he is what they got, so you had to pay him. And what he did last year, passing the ball with a higher percentage than everybody else and having your best record and the steps he took, I see why they paid him, and you pay him now. So if he does it again, you don't have to pay him more, arguably. With Baker, I feel like, you could pay him big money. I just don't think you want to pay him quite like that. It's kind of like the conundrum we had with Dak a couple of years ago as well, too. And I think it's something similar to that as well, too. I, I'm actually glad you brought up Dak because, in my opinion, that's exactly who I think of. I don't think he's worth the top money. But I do also want to say that if you're the Cleveland Browns, you don't want to let him get go. Like, you don't want to see him go and be a quarterback for the Tennessee Titans if Ryan Tannehill retires next year. You know, you don't want to see him in an offense like that with Derrick Henry on that in that backfield. I'd hate to say that there's very few teams he could step up in the backfield with, but like that would be one of them. And then with deep threats like he like that he would have in Tennessee. I just like if I'm the Browns, you don't want to you don't want to overpay, but at the same time you don't want to watch him go. So maybe you do have to pay that Josh Allen type of money or just below that or like guarantee it more, like what you're saying. Maybe front end guarantee him. That might keep him around longer like when i think cool thing with baker is he is kind of he does seem to have that like whatever's best for the team mentality at the end of the day where uh, you know there are some guys out there that they want to get their bag first and then they'll play for the team they have no problem with that obviously they say all the right things in the market in the media but that's how it usually you know when it comes you can see the mentality of it wise they want to get their bag and then they'll, they'll they'll step back and be a team player uh, but yeah, I do. I do like that that comparison for sure. I will also add to it, like Baker has the beneficiary of being in every gosh damn progressive commercial every f- five thousand times on Sundays as well too. So he's got a separate bag coming in as well too. So I think in that regard, he could be a little more leeway, like we've seen Tom do several times in his career, where he's been very lenient with his bag as well too, because his wife is worth a hundred million dollars, and he has his own separate yeah. things off the field. So I think Baker, if you have to pay him top notch, you're okay with doing it. But if you can get him for less, it'd be ideal because I think he's a top 15 quarterback, maybe fringe top 10-ish. But I don't think he, he's not quite Patrick Mahomes. What we've seen Lamar kind of been able to do as well. Tom Brady and Rodgers, he's not quite that gangster territory of a whole nother level. He's a high-level starting quarterback. He's just not those elite MV, year-in and year-out MVP shoe-ins at this point, basically, or MVP candidate shoe-ins. Definitely. And you mentioned the progressive person, and it makes me laugh because I'm about to ask you, about the other guy that's in those progressive commercials with Baker, and that's Jedrick Willis. And not necessarily about Willis so much as the entire Browns offensive line. Is this Browns offensive line the best offensive line altogether in football right now, do you think? I'll answer your question with a question. Who do you put above him? As a whole right now, if healthy, I'd say there may be only one team 
uh, yeah, maybe only one team that I could put ahead of them if fully healthy, and that might be either the Colts or the Bucks. I kind of waffle between them because I never know what Tristan Wurst is going to do for the Bucks, and the injury to Quentin Nelson kind of makes me like, eh, and the hole in Mark Lewinsky and, and filling Costanzo's spot for the Colts also. I think if the left tackle spot for the Colts, like if Costanzo came back or Eric Fisher was healthy, then it's a little more of a conversation. But I think with that left tackle spot still kind of in the air, I'd give it to the Browns. And the Buccaneers, I feel like they're greater than the sum of their parts. Tristan Wurst is a future perennial pro bowler. The rest of them are really good. The Browns are a team full of – they have like four studs on that with Betonio, Jendrick Willis, Jack Conklin, the all-pro, Wyatt Teller, the all-pro level guy. Like They have like three to four perennial pro bowl caliber players, and as a unit, they're good. So my opinion, they're what the Colts offensive line was like two years ago, that sort of thing too. I think that's the best unit in football as well too, and that's part of why we saw Baker look so good last year. Nick Chubb and Kareem Huntley. That offensive line is a core, and if you keep that together, everything else will work itself. You keep those guys together with Baker – you can risk losing other pieces and you'll be just fine as well too. Cause Baker will thrive if you have that wall in front of him as well too. Yeah. Protect. I mean, protection can make any quarterback look good and it can make any quarterback look bad. As we've seen with Joe Burrow, we'll have to see what his ACL comeback looks like as There's well. There's been like very few quarterbacks in the history of the league that look good with mediocre to below average protection. Like just going back through the history of the league, how many guys actually look good and can win with bad offensive lines? Very, very few. Uh, one guy stands in mind and he had to retire early. And that was very recently in Andrew Luck. And then, yeah, and then there's, I mean, even Tom Brady's always had pretty good offensive lines. Even when they weren't great, like they were schemed and coached well in New England as well, too. Peyton Manning's had Pro Bowl Hall of Fame level offensive linemen. Archie Manning, I mean, they never really won, though. I mean, like you just go back, very few quarterbacks you could look back and be like, wow, they actually were winning games with no offensive line whatsoever. So if you can keep this in in Cleveland, you're going to be set for a while. You're going to be real good. Cleveland has a lot to look forward to. Uh, You know, they've obviously, their sports teams, there's a lot to, to, to be wanted from their Cleveland sports franchises, but the Browns... The wait is over. Looking toward- if you're a Browns fan, the wait is over. You've been waiting your whole lives for this. The wait is finally over. you got a team you are proud of that is a... They're a contender. Like, that you're, you got to be happy. And I think 12-5, and five, they're going to step up and take this division next year as well, too, barring injuries, of course. Yeah, absolutely. So, we'll have to keep an eye on this one. This division, to me, was the most fun because I do think it has... Throwing the Browns on the top, I think, is just that one thing. You like every fan of football has watched them struggle for so long. We're all just kind of like, yes, <laughs> finally, we get to put him up there. And before we get out of here, I'm going to ask one more question for you as well. We talked about Baker getting him paid. Another guy from that draft class known as Lamar Jackson is coming up for getting paid as well, too. If you're the Ravens, how do you go about that? Because you look at that Josh Allen money, and if you're Lamar, you're like, well, I got an MVP under my belt. I've been to the playoffs every single year. What do, what do you say if you're, if you're the Ravens? Do you pay him more than that Josh Allen money, or do you look at him and be like, look, we got we to gotta work around you and your play style can be even more dangerous down the stretch. Whereas Lamar's like, I haven't missed games due to injury. Like that seems like it's going to be a very interesting contract negotiation back and forth. I'm going to look forward to that contract negotiation, but I honestly, I think it depends on what he does this year with his passing outside the numbers. If his, if his passing game evolves, like how I've been clamoring for it to evolve. I, I think he does get paid Josh Allen plus money. Um, otherwise I think it's kind of like what we're talking about with Baker where if you're the Ravens, you don't want to see him leave, but at the same time, you don't want to overpay. So I, I think that's where you end up with with Lamar. You think they could get away with giving him a big contract, but front loading the heck out of it? Like let's say it's two hundred fifty million dollars, but he gets two hundred million in the first three years. So if he does get injured or start to wear down down the stretch, you could cut bait a little bit easier. It would not surprise me. It's what kind of what they did with uh, Donovan McNabb's last contract in Philly, and also Mike Vick in Atlanta with that huge contract he signed. They were very front loaded with 
a lot of non-guaranteed tender in the back end, so they didn't have to owe as much. Um, so that would be it, – it seems like a smart option for them, um, but we'll have to see because the Ravens are also one of those franchises. They are known for making their smart decisions when it comes to contracts and sometimes cutting guys potentially before they need to cut them just to save on the cap space. So we'll see what the Ravens could do, but I do think that would be a smart decision for sure. But uh, that'll do it for us with the AFC and NFC North, guys. Obviously, we have a whole lot more to go. We're only halfway through our our picks. We still have next week the AFC and NFC South divisions, which are gonna be very interesting. I can already tell you from the from top to bottom. There's a there's a lot of intriguing matchups here. We got so, a defending uh, we'll, Super Bowl we'll, champion too. We got a couple playoff teams. We got first overall pick. We got a whole lot of tomfoolery coming ahead too, and quite a, a little bit of a QB carousel among some of these teams too. Yeah, absolutely, guys. So. As always, for DJ, I'm Kelsey. Uh, if you guys haven't heard the news, we are now our part of Unhinged, powered by Belly Up Sports Radio. So be sure to check that out as well. Check out all our friends and over at Belly Up. And as always, guys, until next time, we'll see you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.